One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. People who were critical about Wirecard, they were attacked. Welcome to episode 25 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails. What led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I am your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at Wirecard. Despite a global pandemic unraveling in 2020, the executive of Europe's largest fintech company, Wirecard, had a very hectic summer. In June, Wirecard's CEO, Marcus Braun, was arrested for masterminding an intricate embezzlement scandal involving a complex web of lies that entailed a labyrinth of overseas partnerships and bank accounts containing billions of dollars. Less than four weeks later, Braun's key business partner, 44-year-old Christopher Bauer, was reported dead from officials in the Philippines. Bauer, who was being probed at that time by the National Bureau of Investigation in connection to this embezzlement, was responsible for one of Wirecard's biggest sources of profit. He was also very close to the company's COO, Jan Marsalek, who now seemed to be an accomplice in the largest corporate scandal ever in Germany. Except somewhere in between the Philippines and China, Marsalek had vanished without a trace, stumping officials and igniting media speculation worldwide. German authorities assembled a manhunt to sniff out Marsalek's trail, but came up with nothing. Photos of Marsalek were plastered on posters at subway stations, crosswalks, and bus stops across Germany asking if anyone knew about this man's whereabouts to contact authorities. But as time continued to tick, one thing became painfully grim, and that was that the only person who could answer questions for authorities and shareholders was now a wanted fugitive. Welcome to the story of Wirecard AG. Birth through porn and gambling sites since 1999, disgraced and insolvent by 2020. To start off the first episode of the year, I wanted to cover one of the biggest scandals in corporate failures of 2020. There were many companies and industries that fell prey to the coronavirus pandemic, most notably the retail, transportation, and travel sectors, which went through a huge wave of financial distress. So unless you are closely following the Wirecard saga, 
This story was easily eclipsed by everything else going on in 2020. But in short, what occurred that year was that Wirecard, which once represented Germany's national pride, became a true national shame. Now, here's what's so compelling to me. First, the sheer scale of the scandal was so massive that it's now being referred to as the Enron of Germany. Second, there were so many warning signs stemming back to over a decade ago, and yet those warning signs were heeded and dismissed by the company and the regulators. Critics and skeptics of Wirecard found themselves at the other end of intimidation tactics after speaking out about their doubts. Some have been reported to have been followed, have their homes and offices broken into, laptops stolen, and they were subject to email hacks and anonymous threats. So despite the red flags, the company's CEO, Marcus Braun, kept his poker face on when analysts, reporters, and investors questioned the company's operations and financial position. And behind the scenes there were some pretty dark secrets that would soon have the house of cards come crashing down. Back in 1999, there was a little-known company called Wirecard. The Munich-based company was involved in payment processing, kind of like PayPal services. But when Marcus Braun joined in 2002, Wirecard was on the verge of collapse. Braun previously worked at one of the big four accounting firms, KPMG, and had a background as a computer science expert. When he joined the company, he saw an opportunity to offer Wirecard services to pornography and gambling sites, given that those were the areas that online payment companies would steer away from. The value in working with these taboo industries catapulted the company's success as they pursued an expansion strategy and putting them on the map, rivaling other payment juggernauts. Wirecard started as a payment processor offering solutions for payment processing for gambling and pornography because as we all know, the porn industry is a very front runner when it comes to technical solutions. The porn industry, they first set the standards for videotapes, and later on they set the standards for payment solutions. That was Dr. Mark Liebscher, an attorney with a Berlin law firm that is currently representing Wirecard investors in a class action lawsuit. You could compare it to a mixture of PayPal and Visa and MasterCard. So payment solutions for online shopping, and in addition to that, later on, Wirecard of credit card together with Visa and MasterCard. So it's a mixture of PayPal, Visa and MasterCard. Now to understand their growth strategy, here's how Wirecard sales exploded. The company focused on international growth by using third-party partners since they didn't have licenses to conduct in other countries. These partnerships allowed them to reap the benefits of producing revenues while allowing the partners to process payments efficiently through Wirecard's technology. This was the key part of their business that made them both an innovator and a disruptor in the financial world. Wirecard was successful at making contactless payments so simple and easy. And between 2011 and 2014, they went on a buying spree to snatch up a bunch of these third-party payment companies, generating more income, luring in more investors, and racking up its share price. 
They were a force to be reckoned with, and it saw such success that in 2005, Wirecard went public and listed on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. From the financial side, the numbers it produced were astounding, and the leader at its helm became a recognizable fixture in speaking circuits at tech conferences, adopting the Steve Jobs black turtlenecks while dictating the future of AI and cashless payment solutions. Marcus Brown, he was the mastermind behind Wirecard. He built Wirecard to conquer the world. He built Wirecard from an obscure Bavarian company into a German tech icon. And he always tried to present himself as the Steve Jobs of Europe. He wore a black turtleneck pullover. And when answering questions, he was speaking very detached from reality and in the abstract philosophical terms. And he wanted to to very much show himself as the genius and mastermind when envisioning a super company like Wirecard. Um, He came to Wirecard actually as a consultant when uh, Wirecard was in financial troubles and later on hired at Wirecard as a CEO. And he predicted, for instance, that all retail payments would be digital within a decade. And he once said the aim of the board is to conquer the world in a powerful, organic way. Aside from that, the capital markets loved the company. Wirecard was a very compelling investment because it had a huge success story when it came to earnings and revenues. Wirecard every year doubled earnings, doubled revenues. So the story for investors was really, really nice. Besides that, Wirecard was audited by Ernst & Young. So Wirecard had a very good auditing story. Sell-side analysts were unanimously positive with Goldman Sachs issuing a conviction buy rating and they were being supported from Deutsche and Commerzbank, who helped fund the company's acquisition deals. But little did anyone suspect that the company executives were actually stacking the deck. Despite the stardom, there were doubts dating all the way back to 2008. It started when the head of a German shareholder association saw some discrepancies in Wirecard's balance sheet and called a special audit by one of the biggest accounting firms, Ernst & Young. The special audit came up clean, however. Then in 2015 and 2016, the Financial Times began publishing reports on some of the company's accounting irregularities, as well as reports related to money laundering. The allegations were met with rigorous denials despite evidence of enormous fraud. Instead, Wirecard retaliated by retaining a big law firm and a PR firm, which was kind of a bizarre response, if you ask me. But it was what actually occurred after this report came out that baffled many. Aside from Braun's unwavering defense of the company's legitimacy, Wirecard announced that they were suing the Financial Times for unethical reporting. The Financial Times, quite early on, put its finger to the very much points that were the basis for the accounting scandal that unraveled in 2020. Uh, The Financial Times early on said, well, there is no revenue. There are no customers. The revenue stream does not add up with the customers that they indicate. The customers that Wirecard arguments to have 
uh, these customers do not exist. We went there and we did not find these customers. Customers that make two, three, four hundred million euros turnover per year. We didn't found offices of these customers. Nothing. But that didn't even make a dent in Wirecard's credibility. There were also several eyewitness accounts of threats against anyone that spoke out against the company. And this almost made them bulletproof. And the big side to that was also that Wirecard very aggressively attacked any critics. People who were critical about Wirecard, they were attacked via online phishing scams, DDO attacks. We had that as well. We had a massive DDO attack. And people were followed by private investigators. People showed up on your doorstep at night, threatened to rough you up, form a box of champions and so on. So Wirecard very aggressively attacked its critics. Wirecard over the years got immune against criticism and that is the reason why Wirecard made it finally in our renowned DEX 30 index. To make matters worse, Germany's financial watchdog, Bafin, responded in favor of Wirecard. And instead of investigating the matter, they turned the tables around to investigate the critics rather than the company. This continued for years. It seemed that every time something was being unearthed, the company would deny and it would somehow just get buried. But in 2019, things took a different turn. The Financial Times published yet another critical report on Wirecard, this time being tipped off by a whistleblower, and it contained very thorough details uncovering serious allegations of widespread accounting fraud. Before we go further, here's a short word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today's episode is sponsored by Skillshare. This online learning community is offering our listeners a free trial of its premium membership. No matter what 2021 brings you, you can spend it by creating something more meaningful with Skillshare's online classes because time is what we make of it. Learn about branding, entrepreneurship, design with Skillshare's short classes designed for the busy go-getter like yourself. There's so many fascinating classes and they offer a combination of video lessons and class projects and everything is mostly under 60 minutes. I recently took a productivity masterclass and it felt like I was having a one-on-one instruction. It was insightful. I walked away with a fresh new perspective on how to organize my schedule more effectively. 
Skillshare is offering listeners of The Great Fail a free trial of premium membership that's two weeks free. So explore your creativity at Skillshare.com forward slash TGF. That's Skillshare, S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E.com forward slash TGF. It's a new year, finally. Let's kick this off the right way. And if you're looking for ways to save on some dinero, let's talk about reshopping your home and auto insurance rates. With whom, might you ask? Well, Policy Genius, of course. You can save over $1,000 per year with help from our licensed experts. That's more money than your stimulus check. Think about all you can do with the extra money in your pocket. First, head to policygenius.com to answer a few quick questions, and then they do the rest. They'll compare rates from the top 30 insurers to find you the lowest quotes. They combine a cutting-edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save you time and money. They'll look at even ways to bundle your policies and get you an even lower rate. If they find something cheaper, they'll get you to switch over for free. There's a reason why they've earned a five-star rating across 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. If you're a homeowner, make 2021 the year you save over $1,000 by simply reshopping your home and auto rates. Head to policygenius.com right now to get started. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This episode is also sponsored by NordVPN. In 2012, four childhood friends came together to build technology that can liberate the internet. They saw that censorship, content control, intrusive surveillance was growing more prevalent. With all the holiday shopping I did this past December, I had my information compromised a few times and it was not fun, not to mention a bit creepy. NordVPN is the best VPN if you're looking for peace of mind when you access personal and work accounts or want to keep browsing history to yourself. They have super fast servers, protects your data in public, requires no data logging, and is compatible with most operating systems. It's got unlimited bandwidth and has an automatic kill switch. As a special deal, NordVPN will get you four additional months free with the purchase of a two-year plan. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash great fail and use our coupon code great fail at checkout. NordVPN, because your online security comes first. In 2019, the Financial Times was tipped off by a whistleblower with details on Wirecard's accounting practices. Here were some of the alleged activities. First were the inflated sales. The whistleblower provided emails and other documents that implicated Wirecard in reporting suspicious transactions so that it wouldn't miss financial targets from its partnerships in the Philippines, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Indonesia, and India. The company was afraid that having lower profits would ignite suspicions in their international acquisitions. Wirecard was indicated through acquisitions and was indicated by inflating the balance sheet when it came to receivables. So at some point, they no longer were able to show the growth via acquisition. They started to show the growth via inflating the balance sheet on the cash side. And that is the moment where the big thing started to kick in that ended now in 2020. Second were the other accounting irregularities. For instance, one of the employees convinced regulators at the Hong Kong Monetary Authority to issue Wirecard a license for providing prepaid bank cards. 
And as a result, Wirecard was providing fabricated invoices and sales agreements to generate fake revenues, creating a paper trail that showed the transfers of money in and out of the accounts. There were other shady things like how Wirecard was overpaying for underperforming assets, a term called round-tripping. So by overpaying for something, they would use the extra money to flow back into the company and have it counted as fake revenue. Another allegation of the Financial Times was was round-tripping, that uh, Wirecard bought companies in India, for instance, for 300 million euros that nobody had ever heard of, and shell companies that were sold just a week earlier to the seller from a third party for only 30 million euros, and behind the original owner of the sold company, again, was high-ranking wirecard management, so the allegations of round-tripping, and all these basic allegations and basic facts that the Financial Times put out in the open Starting from 2015, they are still today the basis for the accounting scandal. So what one can say, if the prosecutors and the financial supervisory authority and if the auditor, Ernst Young, had looked more into detail, just the way the Financial Times did, they would have discovered the scandal back early in 2015 or even earlier. There were also reports of money laundering linked to a network of hundreds of shell companies in the United States connected to pornography, gambling, and dating websites. (laughs) At first, Boffin stood by Wirecard, launching a criminal probe on the Financial Times reporters and even the investors who raised suspicion on the company. They even banned short sellers from trading the stock for two whole months which was the first anything like that ever happened. However, the Financial Times kept pushing out the research, a series of articles that reported more details of shady deals that Wirecard was engaged in and their partners overseas. By May of 2020, another major accounting firm, KPMG, who was engaged to do a special audit on Wirecard, publicly reported that they couldn't locate a lion's share of Wirecard's profit. That was a huge blow. And like a toppling domino effect, this led to their collapse. Because then Ernst & Young cited their inability to sign off on their audit as well. In June this year, it turned out that these escrow accounts that were reported to contain around 1.9 billion euros, they never existed. Those 1.9 billion euros never existed. So this is the basis of this accounting scandal. This prompted an internal investigation from Boffin and then demands from investors for Braun's removal. Four days after Braun's resignation, a warrant was issued for his arrest. The Austrian tech entrepreneur who had turned Wirecard into one of Germany's biggest companies now was turning himself in to Munich authorities. The fallout of Wirecard's huge money laundering scandal that went on for decades highlights the systemic failure of German regulatory institutions and the responsibility of independent auditors. Ernst & Young faced litigations from distressed shareholders who said it was their job to have protected Wirecard's investors. But Ernst & Young maintained that this fraud was so elaborate and sophisticated 
that they too were victims in their own eyes. The huge disappointment for the investors is the failure of the Wirecard's auditor Ernst & Young EY. EY Germany audited Wirecard since uh, 2010. And during all those years, the auditor EY received numerous allegations with very granular, detailed data against Wirecard's financial reporting. In 2016, for instance, an internal whistleblower, EY whistleblower, alarmed EY Germany's board in 2016 about Wirecard and about senior Wirecard executives trying to bribe EY auditors in another jurisdiction. And still, during all those years, EY signed off Wirecard accounts with no reservations. So, through all those unqualified audit opinions. And that was the basis for, for investors to trust Wirecard, because investors said, well, all the allegations are out in the open with granular data. And if there was something to it, for sure, the auditor, EY, has checked on that and would have come up with something. And as EY has not come up with something, these allegations in the Financial Times and Satara reported as they and whatever the allegations are, they seem to be untrue. And now the question is, what went wrong with EY? What are the lessons to be learned? Boffin has since come under fire for how they handled the whole situation, prompting for better reforms in place. As for Wirecard's dramatic fall from grace, it puts the spotlight directly on corporate governance rules while reevaluating corporate culture in Germany as it relates to the capital markets. The idea of better communication and transparency between shareholders and stakeholders is worth noting as well. But it also begs the question as to why the company's auditors, Ernst & Young, didn't pick up on the financial irregularities during the tenure of the engagement, signing off on all of Wirecard's financials quarter after quarter, year after year, allowing them to carry out their deceitful business practices around the world. We have sued numerous class actions EY before German courts because of its shortcomings when auditing Wirecard. And EY defends itself saying, well, we were also duped and and misled by the criminal activities and the criminal doings of the Wirecard executives. But we think that EY should have seen what is happening. And if only EY had opened uh, its eyes and uh, done its job, probably EY would have realized, hey, something is wrong, utterly wrong with Wirecard. Wirecard filed for insolvency in late June of 2020 and was ejected from the DAX, Germany's most important and prestigious index, a benchmark for the German equity market that lists 30 of its most valuable blue-chip companies. Valuable, it was no longer. Wirecard's executive, Christopher Bauer, one of the several executives being investigated, was said to have died from natural causes in the Philippines, However, he was quickly cremated so that no one could identify his body. And around August of 2020, prosecutors from Germany issued for an appeal for Leeds on Rosalic's whereabouts. 
Friends of Marsalek recounted an evening they last spent with him where at an intimate dinner party he guzzled down bottles of vodka and in his immaculate fine tailored suit laid on the ground bawling inconsolably before being removed and taken home by one of his girlfriends. Days later, he texted a confidant saying that he hadn't decided yet whether to return tomorrow or stay here with friends. But where he actually was remains a mystery. There's been reports that Marcelic fled to various countries, including the Philippines, China, and Russia, as well as theories that Filipino immigration officials may have falsified travel documents for him. What makes this complicated is that in looking at Marsalek's past, it's hard to know where the truth ended and where the lies began. Was he tied to Russian military intelligence? Does he have secret service connections? Is he a spy? And whether prosecutors will ever get his side of the story? Well, that's a whole other question. What we do know is that his body has never been found and that he is still missing to this day. Special thanks to Dr. Mark Liebscher for his valuable insight and commentary for this episode. And thank you for tuning in to this week's The Great Fail. Please make sure to visit our website at thegreatfail.com for behind-the-scene audio and video footage. If you like these episodes and want us to continue bringing you more, please subscribe to our newsletter because, well, not connecting with you would be our great fail. While you're at it, simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. The research on each episode is extensive, but none of them would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Lastly, you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Great Fail Pod. And please subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes to show your support. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And remember, folks, with great failure comes great liability. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.